You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, this is Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. I want to thank you once again for joining us for another episode. We have another great guest. You're going to love her. Um, But before I bring her on, I want to thank people who have gone on and rated and reviewed the podcast. It really makes a difference into our reach, how many people get to learn about the great men and women who are changing the world by busting through labeling limits and beliefs. Um, And I specifically want to do a shout out to Tina Z, who said the podcast was real, relatable, and relevant, easy to binge. Oh, and I'm a podcast binger myself, um, with an interview style that's grounded and relevant. And she mentions that all of our guests have tangible tools for anyone who wants to grow a business as well as grow their spirit, which is true that we really look for people who can bring that to you. And she gave a special shout out to a recent interview with Therese Skelly and her wisdoms that she shared in episode 263. So Tina, if you're listening today, thanks for rating and reviewing the podcast. It means a lot. It helps us reach more people all around the world. And I know today's guest, Joy Batra, We'll continue to add value and wisdom and possibilities for all our listeners because she and I just had a very short free chat. And honestly, it's one of the times I thought, you better hit record, sister. Or you're going to have a conversation. There'll be nothing to share. So with that, let me give you a little bit of um, short bio on Joy. She is the founder of Quartz Consulting, a freelance consulting firm that has advised startups, venture capital firms, Fortune 500 companies the head of legal and syndicate protocol, and a former Bollywood actress. Now, that's quite the package. She has a brand new book, which will actually be available March 8th. So depending on when you're listening to it, the book just went live or will be available like shortly. Um, And that's called The Freelance Mindset, Unleashing Your Side Hustle for Better Work, Play, and Life. You don't see those words together in the same sentence all that time. And in this book, Joy draws on a decade of freelancing experience and interviews with 50 freelancers. So I imagine she's going to have some great insights for us. Um, And I'm going to ask her about a number of different things. Among them is this whole concept of monetizing our joy, like what brings us joy? How do we define success? When do we get stuck on things? Um, What are those limiting labels and beliefs? And how do we conflate what we do with who we are, um, and so much more. So with that, let me just bring Joy into the podcast. Welcome her officially. Welcome, Joy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's great. I have a, an off-the-wall question for you. How'd you start your day today? How I started my day today was actually with this podcast. I was listening to an episode where you chatted with Kemi uh, Guler-Loeb about being the CEO of your career. I went for a beautiful walk and felt super energized to then come back and try and be the CEO of my career. (laughs) What did you take away from Tammy? She is one of our um, favorite guests. Like people really like her and they reach out about her. So what did you particularly like about what Tammy shared? 
Yeah, I think there were so many interesting parts of that, but the one that really resonated with me was this idea of how we always conflate who we are with what we do. We think, ah, my job is I'm founder of Quartz Consulting, therefore I'm a consultant and this is who I am. But what we don't realize is that sets us up for a lot of challenges in our life because that label, like anything else, is not within our control. It's inherently unstable and it can disappear at any time. Uh, ask anybody who has recently gone through a layoff or had a personal desire to change course. That label disappears and then who are you? What do you do? And then it can, that can be destabilizing, right? So Absolutely. Let's talk about um, your why, why you started Quartz Consulting. What made you want to do that? What was your journey? I actually started Quartz Consulting about halfway through my freelancing journey. So I've now been freelancing for about a decade. And the first half of that decade, it was kind of accidental freelancing. I had gone on a very traditional path. I worked in finance. I went to law school, I went to business school, and I had this idea that I would work at a fancy law firm coming out. And as I got closer and closer to my start date, I wondered, you know, we have one life and there are a lot of risks that I'd like to take and a lot of things I'd like to explore that I might not get the chance to in a particular job. One of those was this deep passion I have for Bollywood. And so I thought, okay, I have a couple of weeks between the bar exam and when I'm supposed to start work. Let me go to India and I'll have a little Bollywood adventure. I will go sit in this cafe that they write about in books and, you know, maybe like something will happen. It didn't unfold quite like that. I ended up finding some structure and taking a class that was recommended by a classmate. And one thing kind of led to another and I got this audition and that turned into a talent management contract to act in Bollywood. And I was like, aha, the thing that I hoped would happen is here, but now I also have a very difficult decision to make. Like, do I do the traditional path that all my classmates and friends are doing that I always thought I would do? Or do I try this unknown thing and see where it leads? And I had to try the unknown thing to see where it leads. And where it led me actually was to freelancing. So I realized very quickly, I had six-figure loans uh, from, from grad school. Uh, I, I needed cash fast. And so I thought, okay, well, I can't do a full-time job because if I get an audition, I won't be able to go. So maybe I can do something small. And back then, there weren't that many freelancing platforms available in the way they are now. So I reached out to some companies. I went on an early platform and was able to get some freelancing roles. And then all of a sudden, I realized, wait, <laughs> this is my dream job. Like, I can spend my mornings on Excel spreadsheets and really using this analytical side of my mind. And then in the afternoons, I can put on a costume and use the creative side of my mind and really play and and do both things that light me up in different ways. And I think that, you know, for those first early years, it was really stumbling upon what is exciting, what what is possible that I never dreamed of in this combination. And finally, um, around 2017, when I founded Quartz Consulting itself, I realized, okay, I actually just thrive when I have both elements in my life, when I have a little bit of autonomy, a little bit of analytical, and also the chance to have some unstructured time and also dive into my creativity. So that was the genesis of course. I ended up leaving uh, a startup that I was working at. It had, was about to get acquired and I thought, okay, this is the time. And now it's been about six years of course. And here we are kind of balancing both analytical and creative at the same time. 
I don't know that I've ever heard someone say, I have my dream job. I wake up and I can work on a spreadsheet <laughs> and then I get to do creative. That's just, I wanted to laugh because it is, that's <laughs> such a, it's such different parts of our brain. And that there's something so satisfying about going for people who like analytics, right? This getting in there and thinking about stuff. But then there's this other part of the world that is just so inspiring and wants to draw it out of you. I love that you were just like, here I am, my bar exam. I think I'll go to India and see if I can get on in Bollywood. So you're clearly you are a brave and courageous and adventurous person. Would you say that's accurate? Thank you. Uh, it didn't feel brave or courageous or adventurous at the time. It felt terrifying and confusing and sometimes a little shameful. But in retrospect, it feels brave, adventurous and courageous. So thank you. Always on the other side, right? When we're yeah. in the midst of it, do you ever have those moments you're going, what exactly am I doing? Yes. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. But it, but also you got to discover something like when you said, I just didn't know it was possible. I could do this and have this. I mean, we make things so black and white, like it's either this or that, not this and that. And that's so freeing when we can see it can be both. It might be neither. It might be something entirely we haven't come across yet. So when you started court, what was your goal for court? Like, did you have a mission or a hope of what you want to achieve through your business? Yeah, at the time, um, so I now work in crypto, but at the time I was falling into what we call the crypto rabbit hole. Uh, but what I really wanted to do was to be very opportunistic in being able to see a new technology coming, really learn more about it, and then decide if I want to dive deeper into it. It turned out that I did. Uh, but the goal was really at the time to work in several different industries. So I worked in finance, I worked in media, and I worked in tech. And I felt that all three of those really benefited each other because you learn so much from each one that you can then apply to other disciplines. There's this cross-pollination that we don't always think of. Uh, because there is sometimes a lot of pressure to specialize very early in your career. Sometimes it takes time to specialize, and sometimes you realize specializing is not right for you at all. But at that time, I needed to be in multiple areas. So the goal for Quartz was to explore that. Quartz has since evolved. It's been six years, and now it focuses primarily on crypto and fintech regulation. However, uh, stepping back, the personal goal is really around being able to have both sides of my life active and really being able to dive into this joint desire for like control and for freedom for like mastery and wonder and to be able to do those and i know we said no false dichotomies but here we are with a dichotomy i'm going to do either or but together that makes me feel larger and like i can contribute more to any discipline that i'm part of yeah i'm not sure it's a false dichotomy i mean i think they balance each other truly you know um but then that's my opinion, because I, I appreciate that viewpoint. Um, so let's talk about freelance. Because you say freelancing actually can be an act of self-care and a vehicle for deep personal and professional growth. So I think you've given some examples of how it can stretch you. But what do you mean when you say it can be an act of deep personal care? The power of a freelancer is really in thinking about yourself holistically and what you need. In order to stay alive and in business as a freelancer, you have to do 
effectively everything. <laughs> you have to do sales, you have to do the work, you have to do the taxes, you have to do uh, the negotiation of the contracts, the legal aspects. You need to get yourself health insurance or figure out what your strategy is there. All of those things then make you really look at your life from a holistic perspective because you are fully in charge of both your career and your day. So on a very micro level, you're figuring out what you're doing every single moment, but you're also figuring out what direction do I want to go in? What do I need? How will I grow? And I think that's something that can be missing uh, if we don't take the opportunity to reflect. A freelancer must always reflect because we're always pitching. We need the next sale. We need to grow. Uh, but sometimes when we end up on more of a traditional path that maybe we've chosen for ourselves or maybe others have kind of propelled us toward, uh, we can kind of rely on the easy messages that we get from society where you do X, Y, and Z, and then you'll be okay. You, you get a job and the job will give you health insurance. It will make sure you have some socialization. It will... Uh, maybe give you time off for vacations if you're lucky and all of all of those things come from something outside of you Whereas the freelancer has to decide ah, what are my boundaries? When do I need time off? What are the projects that I want to work on and in making all of those assessments for yourself and all of those choices for yourself? What you're doing in my opinion is absolute personal self-care And I'm wondering when you work with folks in that arena and you're helping them to think through all of that is that a foreign concept for them to map out what they want first? And because there's always that pressure, like, I need that next client, I have to pay the bills, you know, so that there's that tension between I'll take anything versus that's not a good fit for me. I trust that the thing that I will be the best at will be there. What do you do with that? Because first of all, do you see that? And then how do you help people with that? That is one of the hardest things about freelancing. And I think it's one of the reasons that freelancing can help you grow so much as a person. Because in any freelance career, you're going to have both moments of scarcity and of abundance. There will be moments where no client is available to talk to you or interested in what you're doing. And then in that moment, you want to take anything, just like you said. And <laughs> eventually the tide turns and people are interested in work that really excites you is available, but now you've committed to something that, you know, was the best fit for you when you had nothing else, but now you have to make a choice about how you want to spend your time and what you want to pursue. And that's really the magic of freelancing because I always say this, the pendulum always swings twice. You think things will stay one way forever and they don't, they always, they always change. So in the low points, it's trying to channel that moment and that feeling of abundance. And then in the high points, you have to remember what the scarcity felt like so that you save, so that you choose things that will set you up for uh, success going forward and potentially uh, make the next moment of recall famine or a slower point in your career a little bit less um, harsh if you have that control, if there are things you can change in your business, just keeping in mind the way um, the way the last slow period felt for you can really unlock. but. I think one of the key challenges in this is as a freelancer, it can be very tempting to feel like you're the business, you're the product. And when there is a slow moment in your career, you might start to feel these feelings of shame or doubt, like, is there something wrong with me? Why am I not succeeding at this? And it can be hard to internal, hard not to internalize that, excuse me, and, and to really talk back to these external messages that we get. Uh, where we start to think that we're not good enough or something is not right. 
So yes, absolutely. What I advise freelancers to do is to really try to take the feedback that they get. If they're going on many pitches and nothing is landing with a client, there is important information there. Either your pitch maybe is not communicating your value or what you're selling, there is just no need for in the market at this point and you need to tweak it. So uh, either way, you're being more responsive to your client's needs and delivering more value that's focused on solving their problems. But that constant iteration, that constant feeling of being tested, both, you know, in terms of like flow of work, but also in terms of making a sale and connecting with a client is what makes freelancers really able to grow and what makes them so powerful. I agree with you because there's that thing like you're talking about that back and forth, the iteration. That's such a co-creative process if you're if you're having fun with it with your prospective client or maybe even a previous client. Right. Instead of thinking, OK, it has to look this way versus like, what are they really asking for and how could I deliver? Or could I get someone to come with me and help deliver? Um, it can be really fun. But honestly, in the beginning, I wouldn't have said it was so fun. It'd be like, um, I'm not sure I can do that. That doubt that can come in. Um, instead of the expectation, like, of course, it's going to work out because I have resources. I can, you know, because I'm a freelancer, right? You're automatically, if you put yourself out there, you know, a lot of other really qualified people. What a gift. Such a gift. Absolutely. Let's talk about, um, well, I want to ask you one follow-up question to what you just said, and that is, you know, that whole sense of um, not being enough. To what degree do you think like this external um, messaging, like, hey, if you haven't hit six figures in the first year, you're failing and all this, and then comparing, and that pressure to be a certain way, how is that affecting the folks you're working with? I think there can be a lot of shame uh, around that and a lot of confusion of what the source of those messages are. Uh, a lot of people will hear the message and not necessarily realize it's coming from something external to them and really internalize the message as, as if they have thought of it themselves that, you know, I have, I don't have six figures, therefore I'm not good enough. Uh, so in the process of writing the book, I, I interviewed 50 freelancers, but I also interviewed a number of psychologists and psychiatrists. And one woman I interviewed, a psychiatrist named Soumya Dave, uh, she really talked about this distinction between shame and guilt. And she has this quote, which maybe you've heard, um, which says, guilt says I did something wrong, but shame says there's something wrong with me. And for a freelancer, uh, especially if you're in a slower point in your career, it can be very easy to fall into kind of a spiral of shame. So what she advised, and which I've been trying to practice myself, is really recognizing that the world that we operate in, uh, this world in which we've started to freelance or, you know, take a different uh, charge of our career, was not actually set up with our success in mind <laughs> in, at all. So we know this objectively, but when we're in the moment, we forget that. And so really stop and, and pause and, and make yourself remember that this world was not designed for you to thrive as a freelancer or for you to... Uh, follow your passions and have uh, a steady income at the same time. You can do it nonetheless. However, it's going to be challenging and it's, it's not surprising then that you will have ups and downs and there will be opportunities to grow and, and times you need to pivot and, and times that you wonder, oh my God, can I make it at all? And you might need to evolve as, as a uh, business person and as a freelancer, but really 
really question the messages because it's very easy to feel what we feel and not understand the source of the thoughts and not understand what exactly we're subscribing to without even realizing that we subscribe to these messages. It is really a sense of um, self-awareness, like stepping out of our own head and watching like I'm thinking that. Is that helping me? Not really. It makes me want to freeze or whatever. So I think that and I like that quote and the distinction between guilt and shame. Um, because it is easy to get confused. And if you don't tell anybody you're feeling that way, then it's just you circling around in your head, making yourself feel worse. Um, yes. Do you find absolutely. that freelancers quit too soon? Like they're so close to like turn the corner and being like getting what they were going after, but they just get discouraged. I actually don't think freelancers quit at all. Oh. So I think we were talking earlier about these false dichotomies and either or. And I think we have this temptation to think of freelancing as very all or nothing. You're either working full time or you're a full time freelancer. But in reality, we have many different permutations of freelance and full time, uh, or work and non-work that we can really play with. So you can be all full time, no freelance. You can be full time with a little bit of freelance nights and weekends. Uh, you could be part time work and also part time freelance, or you can be fully freelance. And I think, um, my book is set up as kind of a hero's journey because going into the world of freelancing is very, very disorienting. <laughs> you call to this great adventure and then you get there and you're like, oh my God, can I survive? And over time, you learn the skills that it takes to be able to make a career or to be able to navigate this world of freelancing. But in so doing, you eventually become a master of that world. And by the time you know, you've had some exposure to the corporate world, even even if your first job is freelance, just by existing in our society, we have some exposure to the idea of a nine to five and what it would take to succeed in a corporate world. Then by navigating this freelance world, you then become, you know, skilled and you develop mastery of that world such that you have mastery of both worlds. And you can choose when is it time to toggle back and forth between freelance and full time? When is it time to slide up and down the scale, like dial up the full time work, dial down the freelance or in reverse? And we think that, you know, when a freelancer stops freelancing, it's not because they've quit necessarily. It's because their needs have changed and they found a different way to take care of that. But it doesn't mean they'll never go back to freelance because once you've done it, that mindset is always there. And it's very hard not to think about, ah, I have this side project. I have this idea and I tried something out once before. Maybe I can try this one out now. Uh, so I think that, you know, Please, if any freelancer is listening to this and thinking, I, you know, I need a break, take the break. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll come back. Right? Yeah, you'll come that, back. That exactly. part of your heart that likes freelancing isn't going anywhere. It might exactly. just be tired, right? It might just say, exactly. I just need some space. So let's talk about your book. Who did you, I mean, obviously, I could assume, which is not always helpful, that it's only written for freelancers. But who, when you were writing this book, Joy, who are you picturing in your head would be the reader of it? The book is really designed to help anyone who is thinking about how to take care of themselves in a world that's uncertain. And, you know, this definitely applies to freelancers because the um, income of a freelancer is uncertain. But this also applies to people who are in full-time work, who are thinking, I have to protect myself. I am seeing other companies doing layoffs. I don't know if and when my company, my role, maybe next, or I want to grow and 
I can grow a certain way in the life that I have, but by adding another aspect to my portfolio or to my career, I'll be able to grow emotionally, spiritually, uh, in any other way that is valuable to me. And how can I really take ownership of all my needs and be able to navigate this in, in a world that is uncertain? So it's about finding uh, both professional and personal satisfaction and learning how to balance the two because we have both needs at, at every time. Yeah, we do. They don't, one doesn't go away. Mm -mm. So if you only... interviewed um, 50 people plus other experts, right? So what did you learn? Like what surprised you? The most surprising thing to me was how freelancers really think about risk. Because if you talk to somebody who's thinking about freelancing for the first time, first, you know, they might be thinking, well, I could never do that. That's, that's terrifying. Like I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. And then you realize, okay, this person is maybe thinking about freelancing as a very all or nothing kind of uh, deal when freelancing can be done in little increments and kind of fit into your life. And it doesn't always have to be done for money. In my opinion, even if you have, you know, a side hustle that's dancing, making dance videos on TikTok or something, and you're not monetizing those, the fact that it's important to you, that you devote time to it and you come back to it over and over again, that to me is part of your freelance career and it is a side hustle or relevant. It doesn't matter which term you use to, uh, to describe it. But I think what really surprised me is once you get past this fear of freelancing just as a concept is the way freelancing can help you with your risk. And the way freelancing is so powerful is that it allows you to do a diversification that is not otherwise possible uh, in other careers. So you can actually work uh, both to grow and to solve multiple um, passions and desires, but also, uh, frankly, like putting your eggs in different baskets, which can be really helpful uh, depending on how the market evolves, depending on how your skills, your interests, your availability as a human being evolve you will develop the relationships and the, the client base to be able to kind of lean into an area in which you decide to grow more in. And if one of those areas atrophies, let's say, for example, um, now we've had chat GPT and all of a sudden maybe your copywriting uh, needs are, have evolved and you need to take more of a supervisory role than a drafting role, this freelancing mindset will let you do that because it gives you a flexibility that you're not otherwise able to access. And I think that when you do freelancing the right way and you think about diversifying uh, your clients and potentially your industries or your offerings, it can actually reduce your risk in a way that is incredibly powerful. But we need to get past that idea of first thinking of freelancing as scary because there are ways to do it that, that are actually not so scary. Sometimes freelancing is, a I like to think about it as a way to get an education that's paid for. Right. So I want to learn how to be better at X. I'm not going in at top dollar on that because I'm a beginner. Right. I'm like an intern, but I will do. I'll walk alongside somebody and I can grow my skill and have some fun and test the waters. Do I want more of this or less of this? Would I do it again or not? Um, while making sure the client gets what they need. So I love how you describe that, making sure it's not this all or nothing or thinking about it differently. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a powerful way to get an education. And 
early on in your career, it can help you decide what you want to specialize in. But even later on in your career, it can help you stay on top of new friends that are emerging, help you keep your skills really sharp. I, I interviewed a number of writers, for example, who used to write, um, oh gosh, uh, annual reports for companies. And, you know, there was a time when these very glossy annual reports were very popular. And then over time, people started moving to PDFs and they didn't need external staff to uh, develop these documents. And so the freelancers were able to evolve very quickly with the market because then they knew they needed to shift into like shorter form marketing materials instead of annual reports. And their skills kept pace with market trends. And you're constantly getting educated on what the market needs. And you see such a, like, such a powerful view of what the trends are that I think sometimes clients, uh, could stand to learn a little bit more about that the freelancer has this perspective on what these trends are that can really be unlocked. Because they're living them and they're also seeing them come in. Yes. I yes. know that that's such a value add when someone says, well, this is what I'm seeing right now in these industries. So maybe we should pivot or add a skill set or something like that. And also we can let go of some of these others that are just not that big a deal right now. No, I, I just think I'm so grateful that the economy has shifted in this way because I think it lets people tap in more to themselves and feel less dependent. More agency is what I would say. You know, whether they choose to use it or not doesn't matter, you know, um, but just knowing it's there, it's available and everybody's got something they can offer. Honestly, have you ever met someone who doesn't have something? Never. Mm -mm. Right. And so sometimes for fun, I just go around going, would be a great idea. I don't share that because it's annoying to people, but it's fun to, to look at all their special stuff and go, well, that is so cool. Um, you know, you have a quote that I want to um, share with the audience that you provided to me ahead of time, and that is to forget the idea of a career ladder as we've been sold, sold um, and that career should be flexible, fluid, and they need to evolve as we evolve. So say I'm doing that in corporate sector and I don't really want to leave my corporate job. How can I use freelancing to continue to evolve? What's maybe one kind of thing I could do so I'm not stagnant? Absolutely. There are so many different ways of thinking about our career that are not just the ladder. The ladder is a great metaphor and it's very powerful in a lot of contexts. But expanding beyond that, we can think of our careers as a portfolio, as we've mentioned here. And then there is everything in between. So in uh, a few of the different models that I've found interesting is one type of career is what they call the kaleidoscope career. And essentially the kaleidoscope is when everything kind of fits into place, but then suddenly there's an outside change or an, an internal change, and then the pieces move around and then they make a new beautiful picture. And it's really capturing the transitions between one type of career and another. And there are, you know, a variety of other models. But if you are in this example of uh, somebody with a successful corporate job that they like, the way I would suggest you explore freelancing is to think about how you can grow and by adding something else to your portfolio. The, the way portfolio careers grow is either you can add another component to it and then you have more things in your portfolio, or you can grow the individual sections and your portfolio overall grows. For somebody who likes the specialty that they have, I would suggest really thinking about how can I dive deeper and add a different element of that specialty. So maybe 
um, if this person is a lawyer like myself, how can I get involved in research in a think tank? Or can I do some pro bono work that will be helpful and give me a different skill set that I can then apply to my, uh, my day job? That may be one model. The other model, if, that's kind of the vertical model. The other model is if you need to grow horizontally and you think, okay, I'm really, really loving my job, but I could be better at negotiation. I don't stand up for myself. Then thinking about horizontally, what are the skills that are missing that could help me as a negotiator? And maybe, maybe it's as simple as a negotiation class, but maybe you realize, ah, I want to be more assertive. I want to be more vocal. Let me try an improv class. Let me try a theater and see how those skills can then transform what I'm able to bring to the desk on Monday morning. And really being open to different ways of using the limited time that we have to be able to grow in the ways that, that we care about. And the ways that we can't always do within a job. I'll give you one quick example. A few of the people I interviewed were film producers, and they actually worked at a larger production company, and everybody there was a creative. But as people got further up the ladder, the work they did really started to specialize, and they weren't really scratching the same creative itch that they had at the beginning. Or, you know, they became very good at something, and they had to do it repeatedly. So that company actually, I think, is very forward-thinking. It allowed all of its uh, workers to freelance and really encouraged them to do so because it knew that when people go off in the weekends and produce like a different film, like maybe an experimental film that couldn't really be used in corporate work, but allows them to try out a new type of uh, camera or equipment or style of shooting, they would feel creatively recharged, their skills would sharpen, and then Monday morning, they would come back with that new energy and bring it to the project that the company needs done but be able to do it in a more fulfilled, more energized way. And if your company doesn't have that mindset yet, you might be the person to introduce it. Yes. Yes. It can be scary to really be the first one to be the leader, uh, especially when you don't see any of your peers thinking this way. But one of the things that has really surprised me in my freelance journey Back in the beginning when I was very scared to freelance and I, I was shy and I wouldn't tell people what I did for a living. Uh, and I realized over time, my friends were curious. They were, they were wondering, how is it that she's able to work on these different things at the same time? How is it that she can, you know, travel in the middle of the week? And over time, they realized that they wanted to freelance too. And they asked me, how can I change career? How can I add a, like a side hustle? And then we worked together to figure out, you know, what is the right uh, side hustle for you? What is the way to advertise that? And then they, they did. Many of them made the leap and it just kind of planted that seed of an idea uh, for them. And over time, once it had taken root, they were ready to be able to move forward with it. So, yes, I mean, be a leader, do it tactfully, <laughs> be mindful of conflicts of interest, but, you know, be, be a leader. <laughs> well, put all that on the table, right? Yeah. You're not going to go do that for a competitor, possibly, right? But please who don't. Knows? <laughs> might be able to do it for a nonprofit in the area that, you know, they're saying, go forth, be happy, do this. Because, yeah. and it does, when you feel good, everything, when you feel good about yourself and how you're showing up, it affects every area, you know, work, personal, all of that. So, okay, Joy, I could go on and on and on, but I want to ask you as we wrap this up, a couple of last questions. Um, one is, what are you most excited about your book coming out? I am so excited about the book coming out because I can't wait to see people thinking about their careers differently, feeling empowered to say, hey, 
I, I've had this idea that I wanted to work on and I didn't know if I really wanted to dive into it full time, but now I feel like I have permission to explore and to try something new. And I can't wait to see what the new, um, the new careers and hobbies and passion projects that come out of this are. I would love for anybody who feels the way I felt, you know, recently and also 10 years ago when I didn't know where my career was going. It didn't look like my, my classmates or my friends. And then over time, I started to feel grounded in the freelancing and it didn't matter that people didn't understand. And then eventually I was able to communicate it in a way they understood. And I would love to see people take that journey of, of exploring something that maybe feels scary and learning how to make it their own and find their way. Oh, that's so exciting. And for any Hallmark movie watchers, I'm giving myself away here. I don't know if you watch them or not, but there was a movie. I can't remember. I should remember the title of it. I only watched it a short time ago, but it was all about this middle school teacher. And that was 40% of the grade as all the kids in class had to come up with an entrepreneurial thing. It was so fun to listen to all of these th processes. So it's like this tiny mini version about what these kids could do. And they were super successful, all very different. And it was fun, you know, nothing, nothing scary or dangerous in Hallmark, but it really showed like the creativity when you ask those questions, what's possible? You know, what with like, well, who's your market? You know, the business framework, but okay, next step. So I think what you're putting out there in the world is going to really change some lives, Joyce. So I've been excited to get to talk to you today. Um, where is the best place for people to connect with you? Because I imagine there's folks who are going to want to know more and to reach out to you personally. Please find me on social media. My, I'm on all the platforms. My handle is my name, Joy Batra. Uh, and you can also find me on my website, joybatra.com. Okay, and we'll put those in the notes for folks. And as we are wrapping up the podcast, I'm going to give you the final word. If you are going to give one piece of advice to the pre-Bollywood, Joy, what would it be? Trust yourself. You know what you want to do. And if you're afraid, that's that's okay. That, that fear is there for a reason because there are things we can learn from it. There are things we can do. For example, if you're afraid of running out of money, having a financial plan is very important. But what you want to do is important and honor that and find space for it and, and make space if it's not available. Thank you, Joy. I have so appreciated having a chance to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.